Thanks for coming back on, Steph. Like we had um had some technical issues the first time around, and I was just keen. Like I was super keen because just blew my mind. Like all all week, I just been thinking about the the subconscious. I've been thinking about that period that you were talking about when you're born until about seven years old. How the how the brain just absorbs like everything. Haven't got any sort of, like self awareness type thing or you haven't got the skills to be able to decipher what's true and what's not true. But all this information that was coming into my brain when I was when I was young and that, that's probably still largely dictating my life and I know nothing about and then I'm finding out about this shadow work. Can you just like explain that that subconscious period is when you're younger and, and how like, you know, going back to revisiting some of that and, and how that all works? Yeah, for sure. So there's lots of different schools of thought on it. Yeah. And of course, it's something that we can't, you know, really prove in the most sort of rigid scientific testing, if that makes sense, because yeah. it is so I mean, we don't understand our minds. Like think about how many thousands of years people have been trying to understand the mind and it still yeah. eludes us, which is why it's so fascinating. But yeah. with the subconscious mind, like the subconscious mind is basically everything that you're not consciously aware of, but the things that you do automatically. So it's all your habits, it's your beliefs, it's how you feel about yourself a lot of the time. And so much of your subconscious or your subconscious beliefs are formed when you are really, really young. So depending on who you speak to, some people say it's up to about the age of seven. Some people say it's up to about the age of 13 or 14 when you are really, really susceptible to everything that comes in. So around the age of seven, there's you start to gain more critical thinking. So you start to actually be able to hear something and sort of decide whether that's true or not. So if, you know, someone says to you, I hate your orange shirt, if you were like five, you wouldn't really even, you'd think they hate you. You don't actually think, oh, no, that's not my shirt. Like, that's not the color of my shirt. So that's not true. That's not going to go in. And, you know, that's around the sort of age that kids will start, you know, they'll start not believing in, you know, things like Santa Claus and, you know, the Easter Bunny, things like that, because they're no longer believing everything that's been said. And you've got these, you know, relatively harmless things that they might be picking up that might be false. But there's also a lot of beliefs that we pick up from our environment, particularly from our caregivers. And this can be so generational as well. Like it's not a case of, oh, you know, my parents are to blame for the beliefs that I've got because it came from their parents. It came from their parents. And, you know, you go back a couple of generations, you think what was going on if people haven't been actually using like consciously rewiring their beliefs and changing them, then you're basically, like you say, running on these programs that are really outdated and not necessarily serving you. So that's what this work is. It's actually finding finding out what those beliefs are. And the first step to that is self-awareness, which is not always the easiest step, but it's noticing the patterns that show up in your life. The things that you say when you're like, oh, this always happens to me or I always do this or I'm no good at this. I never do this. Like thinking about these patterns that are repeatedly showing up, like those are the clues to what your beliefs might be. Oh, okay. How does that work? Because I've got my subconscious here, right? And I know, you know, I try and change this and I try and do that and I try and not get into that cycle and I 
I know what I should do, but there's all this other stuff that's driving me. But how do I kind of like get in there and have a look or or change? I know you said the first part is, is self awareness and you know what you're doing and what you're not doing. And is that is that having a look at that self awareness? Is what is my subconscious like controlling in my life, or how does that how does that work? Like how do you actually on how do you find out? Yeah, so in my work as a coach, so I work with primarily high performers, a lot of perfectionists. So I work with people who are naturally sort of very critical a lot of the time and people who self-sabotage a lot. So when I'm working with someone, the first sort of things that we do is sort of identify, you know, the things that they feel like are holding them back. Because you hear that all the time, like people are like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm in my own way or... I'm holding myself back, like I'm not living up to like what I want to be, like consciously. And so much of this, it's as people who want something consciously. So you're like desiring something, but for some reason you're not doing it. You're procrastinating. You're not doing something. And so a lot of the work that I do is working on firstly building that self-awareness. So actually, you know, what are these patterns? But a lot of the people that I do work with are already quite self-aware. Because naturally, to be drawn to coaching, you've already got a level of self-awareness because it's not therapy. So like it's not a lot of therapy is, you know, going back in time, looking at things. Yes, we do that some of the time as a coach, but we're not like this is coaching is a really beautiful like add on, I would say, like they're different. They're not it's not like one's better, one's worse. They're for different things. And so and so with the. Like a lot of people will build a lot of self-awareness, for example, in in therapy, in counseling, working with someone like that. And then once you've built that, it's then actually finding ways to use that to actually change, because that's the thing. You can have the self-awareness and a lot of especially my perfectionists, you know, they're actually they're very aware of their inner critic. Like they're very, um, you know, their inner critic is something that they are living with all day, every day. It's very noisy. They can hear that voice. So when we're trying to work with what the subconscious patterns are, it's yeah. a lot of it is separating sort of different parts of you in a way. So separating the part of you that is doing the sabotaging. Yeah. And usually, like most often, like what I always say is self-sabotage is really self-protection. It's you trying to keep yourself in the familiar. And so building your awareness around that is so key because you're like, well, you know, it's not some evil part of you that's just trying to manipulate you and and ruin your life. Like you're not actually sabotaging yourself in that sense. You're actually trying to just keep yourself in the familiar and going back to what we were saying about where this is formed. Like a lot of this, these beliefs are formed when we were younger. So if we brought up in a certain dynamic that feels familiar, then we will naturally be sort of re routed to towards that so we'll be naturally drawn to perhaps you know to use a specific example like drawn to a partner who might remind us of the dynamic that we witnessed at home so you you might consciously want this sort of stable loving reciprocal relationship but you keep finding yourself in these like toxic to use inverted commas and an overused words but these toxic patterns and, and all these arguments and you're like, where is this coming from? And you realize that that's what you yeah. were modeled. And so you're actually finding that and creating that. Yeah. So that's really kind of the first sort of thing is that self-awareness. Yeah. And then starting to 
dive deeper. So once we've got the awareness of the patterns, it's all well and good knowing because so, so often people know what they're doing and you hear that all the time, don't you? It's like, they're like, oh, you know, I know I should go to the gym, but you know, actually maybe I'm a bit tired. Like maybe I'll go tomorrow. Like I know I should do that, but you're not going to. And then so you've got to look at what I always call the secondary gain. Like there's always a secondary gain to your behavior. There's always something that's driving it. Like you're not just doing things for the sake of doing them. And you've got to actually, that's where the shadow work is. It's like, what am I actually getting out of, you know, to use the gym example, like what am I getting out of not going to the gym? Like what is the benefit? Like it could be something as simple as, you know, like sometimes there is like a genuine, you know, like laziness. There's something that's not wanting you to do it. You're wanting to stay comfortable. You're wanting to stay in bed. You're wanting to do whatever. Sometimes it's even deeper than that. Sometimes there's, there's a fear around being seen. Like maybe you're someone who worries there's a subconscious fear that if you look the way that you're you want to look or you lose the weight or you do this thing, then you haven't got an excuse to not do something else. If that makes sense, like maybe you're worried about how that might change things if you start doing something different because you're always being rerouted to what's familiar, what's the same. That's what our nervous system yeah. and our brain like we are wired to resist change. Like that's what it comes down to. And so much self-sabotage is actually just you trying to protect yourself and stay the same where it is known and where it is safe, even if that's not good for you. Yeah. Oh, I, I, like I know it in my, like I know it in my own life. Like I can, I can see that, you know what I mean? And um, that's that familiar, going back to the familiar all the time. I know what you're saying there. And I suppose, like I heard that, uh, that reptilian brain, I don't know like how, how, how true that is, but that going back to that sort of that safe, place that I mean I guess it's an evolutionary thing mm-hmm. going back to it and I can see how what you're talking you, you identify that secondary thing and you know it's there but what are the like tools to like push push past those like points do you have to just you know knuckle down and just do it or like how do you get out of that I think it's it is different for everybody for sure there is you know there's a proportion of people that will be able to like knuckle down and sort of push through that resistance How, like, you know, thinking like the David Goggins of the world and people like that, you know, there are, you know, and and I think we can all say that, yeah, he's pretty, he's wired pretty differently for sure. But for most people, if you're just pushing through the resistance, it's going to give somewhere. Like if you're just trying to force yourself to do something without actually addressing what the underlying core, like the underlying core need that you are trying to fill by whatever behavior that you don't you don't like unless you actually address that it's going to come out in some other way like you see that all the time that people you know they yeah like they find you've got one sort of coping mechanism that might not be very healthy and then you replace it with a slightly healthier coping mechanism this happens a lot with perfectionism that's why it's so like I'm so familiar with it because it's just a lot of people who they might have had, you know, maybe some disordered eating, some kind of binge eating, something like that. It's particularly in a lot of the women that I work with, um, but obviously all yeah. genders. But a lot of the time there's been these sort of high achieving kids at school. And yeah. then they discover that, like, working all the time is one way that they can sort of ease their anxiety, that they can feel good enough. But, like, you haven't really solved the issue that you're not feeling good enough, if that makes no, sense. No. So yeah, you're just trading. Yeah, you're just trading it. And yes, there's obviously yeah. there's much, you know, there's much healthier coping mechanisms yeah. than others. Like, and that's not yeah. to say that 
Like I know for me, I certainly did that with running, like running became like a few years ago, I was really into ultra marathons. And before I had some much less healthy mechanisms, but like I still ran ultra marathons to the point that I gave myself a stress fracture. So I still hadn't really dealt with the actual underlying need like why am I always needing to be busy that's another thing that people self-sabotage all the time it's like filling their day up with so much stuff and so that they never have to sit with themselves so if you're going to go through this sort of process of rewiring there are many things that you can do like one again some people are going to be able to just push through and just move on to the next thing but most of the time it requires again this really deep like inner work of actually looking at it through the lens of non-judgment, being really curious and asking yourself, you know, where has this come from? Like, where did I learn this? Like, where did I learn that this was the way that I had to act to, you know, be good enough or receive love or do this? And how can I start building my tolerance to expand your comfort zone? Because so much of it is slowly building your tolerance. Because like I said, with self-sabotage, you're trying to stay within this comfort zone. And so if you're going to stretch that comfort zone, you know, the David Goggins of the world, they can just like run straight past that comfort zone and not even like like it's not even there. Most people need to widen it a little bit at a time. So it's finding like sustainable ways to do that, to get more comfortable being uncomfortable in general. And you hear that all all the time. It's quite an overused word now, but it's like phrase. It's. And it, and it might not even, this is the interesting thing I always find as well, it might not inter, it might not be the thing that you think that you are trying to work on, that you're actually working on with, with it, if that makes sense. So you're actually pushing your comfort zone in other areas. So it might be, like, I'm a yoga teacher as well, so it might be going to yoga. Like, that's the absolute, that's what you're trying to do in yoga, is you're getting comfortable, yeah. calming your nervous system down when you are in an uncomfortable pose. It might be getting used to setting boundaries that could be something that's really stretching your comfort zone and saying no to people like that feels horrible to a people pleaser that's like someone you know getting them to put their hand on a hot grill for some people who (laughs) that's that it might going to some like a new hobby or a dance class something that you are going to suck at and you're going to be terrible and you have yeah. to be a beginner again and get comfortable with that, making mistakes. So building yeah. your tolerance for being uncomfortable yeah. and then going to the thing that you're trying to actually change. Because a lot of the time, the thing that you're focusing on, like that might be it might be too much to try and change that immediately when you haven't got used to that discomfort, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so it's like, um, like so you're having a small win and in an area, in a new area, and you're developing some forms of discipline and you're just moving forward and forward in, in that area, and then you go and uh, push it over to, to another area where you can, okay, I can do this. I know how to have wins. I know how to push mm-hmm. forward. I can go in this area and push myself a little bit more, and probably, I know myself, like, you're like an ultra marathon runner. I hate running. My dad was a runner, and I wish I could do it, and it's probably just because I can't push myself past that point and – or choose not to push myself past that point or whatever, you know, I don't want to say the wrong things. <laughs> but, but, um, but I found myself, like, I was like, okay, we'll do five minutes on the, five minutes on the treadmill. I did five minutes on the treadmill. It seems like nothing, I know. But, but then, I, then I was like, okay, we'll do eight. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then I did, like, ten, and I was like, oh, great. And I noticed that that when I was – 
then doing other stuff, I was like, I can make, like in business, I can make five more phone calls. Mm-hmm. I pushed myself to make four. And it just started becoming this little, like, almost like a little game with myself. And yeah. I started to just, just gain this momentum in that. And it was just from the smallest thing. And I, and I say to my friends, kids or whatever it might be, when they, when they're not looking after themselves, and I'm just like, you know what? Just go walk for five minutes on treadmill, just just for five minutes, and I guarantee it'll it'll start to to build something, and you know you can change from there. Or just do it, just do it small, and then just grow from there. And I'm, I'm not not exactly what you're talking about, but you are talking about those small wins, and then pushing them over to 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 another area of of your life, and being able to win. Yeah, and exactly what you're talking about there is building self trust because you're self-trust. actually yeah. yeah you're doing the things that you say you're going to do because when you're self-sabotaging you're constantly breaking promises to yourself and all that's doing is eating away at your self-esteem which then makes you not even believe the things that you say that you're going to do so by setting yourself smaller goals and it might seem like nothing like you say you're like oh five five minutes on a treadmill and although the funny thing is is i couldn't spend 10 minutes on a treadmill i can't run on treadmills and that's like, I just, yeah, I need to be outside. So, like, yeah, that's funny as well. Yeah, so, yeah. but that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, that whole thing of that proverb that's like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Like, and it's yeah. one bite, one bite at a time. Like, it's, yeah. you know, you have to actually just, you can't look at the whole thing and be like, oh God, I'm never going to do that. Like, it's actually starting somewhere, building self trust in other areas, yeah. getting comfortable being uncomfortable, getting comfortable making mistakes. And one of the things that I love that you just said was that you were treating it like a game because that is the energy that you want to be doing it in. It's that curious energy. It's not that pressure. It's not that life or death reptilian brain coming back to that. Like that's, you know, is keeping you alive. It's this like fight or flight that gets absolutely like stimulated when you actually are in these stressful situations because it's trying to keep you alive. It's trying to keep you safe. All your nervous system is trying to do is keep you alive. It doesn't care about your happiness. It's not, it's not going to, you just all, we're just craving what we do repeatedly. That's all we are. We are creatures of habit. The more you do something, the more you want to do it. For sure. And I suppose, and like, um, like you're you're building trust with yourself would be like in the same because relationship with you have with someone else, like you build a relationship with someone else based on trust and what they're going to do and when they show up and when they're not going to show up and all those things. And if someone's letting you down all the time, you're not going to. Exactly. I don't know. You that's to break it. And I guess that's the same with yourself. Once you grab that trust level and you start to do things and you start to trust yourself, you're going to get some forms of, of breakthrough, I guess, in that regard. They're, they're really action. They're actionable things that you can mm-hmm. do. When you were talking about um, uh, being honest with yourself and, and basically looking at why I do this and why I don't do that, is that is that something that you just just get a journal or you sit down or like I'm whiteboards, everything's whiteboards. I'm like, yeah, I got whiteboards everywhere in my house and and I write things down a lot and I, I find that that does help me and I can map things out. But is would that be the same exercise that you would do if you were wanted to, to start to sort of identify like how did what would be something that you would sort of say to someone? For sure. So there's, there's, I mean, there's so many different prompts and things online as well. You can just sort of search for something. Yeah. If you search yeah. for, you know, I mean, shadow work prompts, but if you've got something that you want to, you know, prompts 
journal prompts for self-trust, something like that. There's so many different things. But even yeah. just like the act of writing something down is or even speaking it out. It depends on how. Yeah, it really depends on sort of how you learn and how you take in information. Yeah, yeah. But it's important that it's not just in your head because. Yeah. You can think that you're thinking about something, but because our brain, like it goes so fast and it's just, especially if it's overly critical. I often say to my clients, like, because they do have this really loud inner critic and it's like this echo chamber of negative thoughts, like echoing off. I just imagine it echoing off the inside of your like skull and it's just getting louder and louder and it's not even making sense. So writing things down is so good because you just actually slow down for one. But it does yeah. it does seem to access your subconscious a little bit more as well, because especially if you just let yourself sort of free write. And that could be something that takes a little bit of practice, too, because I know as a recovered perfectionist, when I first started journaling, I wanted it to be really neat and I wanted it to be the perfect journal and I wanted yeah. it to all be grammatically correct. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, if someone read this, I want it to make sense. And that is not how you journal. You know, that is and not everyone will have those those sorts of tendencies to do that but a lot of people do because it's it feels stupid like you're writing this down you're like what does this even mean it doesn't matter it doesn't have to make sense because the more you like you're using a different part of your brain you're seeing a different perspective when we're overthinking so much of the time we're not really overthinking we're just replaying the same thought loops over and over again you're not seeing other perspectives and when you write it down mm -hmm. you can see it like it was all in front of you it's like an aerial view and you can start to like just see things and you know, you're getting them out of your brain. That's why I like the whiteboard because it's just so visual for me. Like I yeah. see everything just there. And plus like in like when I journal, like I can't, I, half on the card, I can read it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, just coming out, you know what I mean? But um, I, I think like, yeah, I find that like mapping it down, like, I start to break down what the why's I start things and the more and I started to get I start off being kind of like a little bit honest and then I start to get a little bit more honest and then more honest and I start to like go a little bit sort of deeper mm-hmm. and do you think at those points that um just 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 from your experience with shadow work do you think at those those points um, that you're starting to get to a point where you're starting to um, identify stuff that can make real change because you're starting to understand what, like why you do things or or you're probably more understanding what you do, but not why you do them. Maybe, yeah. Or... Yeah. So when it comes to sort of shadow work there, so what shadow work really is, is yeah. getting to that unconscious part of you that feels really uncomfortable. So shadow work is something when you're yeah. looking at what's actually driving you on that deeper level, the things that feel really uncomfortable to look at. So what's we, actually loops quite nicely with what we were just saying about, you know, building your tolerance in other ways. Like I don't necessarily recommend that people just, if you're feeling really down or you haven't, you know, done some other work on yourself, you know, to go straight for shadow, shadow work and like inner child stuff, because it is a lot. And, and it's good to be in a good frame of mind when you start doing this, because you don't want to already be in that sort of place. You want to be in that place where you can look at it a bit more objectively. And this is why it is awesome to work with a coach or a therapist, someone yeah. at this time to kind of if you do get sort of on that sort of more negative loop, you've got someone to reflect back to you and sort of guide you in a different way as well. But one of the things with shadow work, there's one way of doing it where you really just start to keep asking yourself like why 
like and keep saying like what is and just keep asking yourself so every time you sort of write something it's like and you just like go deeper you're like you know why do I do this like why do I feel like this what am I trying to hide like really just going deeper and deeper and there is also there's also the work of uh, a woman called Byron Katie I don't know if you know her of her at all she has let me just make sure I don't get this wrong with how many questions there are. She has, she has this process and we can link it in the show notes or something, but it's four questions. Yeah. So it's four questions and it's, it's called the work and basically it's a meditation four, practice. Four so all it is is four questions and it starts with sort of noticing what's upsetting you. And then yeah. you basically, and all of the questions are so simple and I just get them up so I get them right. But the questions yeah. are, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? Yeah. How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And who would you be without that thought? So if you have this thought process of, you know, I'm, you know, I am, I'm trying to think of something to use this for, but like, you know, I'm never going to find, I'm never going to find a partner. All the good men are gone. You know, you hear that there's no good people out there. I can't meet anyone. Like you hear that so often and you're like, well, is that true? And you're like, well, like, it's not 100% true, really, is it? Like, it's no. not completely true. And then they're like, can you absolutely know that it's true? And you're like, well, no. And how okay. do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Or what happens when you believe that thought? You automatically aren't even looking for someone. You're not even open to receive <laughs> any advance. Yeah. You already decided that there's no yeah. one for you. Yeah. And who would you be without that thought? Well, you'd be someone who was actually trusted that there was someone there. Like very simple, obviously deeper layers than that. But yeah, I think hey, but just just basically shadow work. Or quick. <laughs> yeah. When it's like that's 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 a little bit of an arsenal. Like if someone's gonna, you know, come to me with something, I I could say, hey, look, just have you ask yourself these four questions. Yeah. You know, it's just it's a real real practical sort of tip, yeah. and that's. That's cool. I love stuff like that. It's just like can just change your thinking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in a matter of minutes, just by asking questions. Obviously, you can go go a little, like a little bit deeper. But that's that's just amazing because because I was like, and I did say it before, like shadow work for me was like um, I was like, oh, I just sound a little bit mystical when I didn't realize it was like Carl Jung and and Jung and then he's um or Jung sorry, and then he's like um, a student of Freud. Like and these guys are like thinkers, like really mm-hmm. deep thinkers in the in psychology, and there's actually some real practical stuff in that in that subconscious mind. Sorry, real practical tools that you can use to access that subconscious mind, like just things like you've just said, and that that writing down is is a great start because because I'm always like I try and do things, or I see people try and try, and and I see them, fun. and I'm watching even just having that conversation with you. Back about the subconscious, and I watch people now, and I'm like, oh, how much of that do you not even realize you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, where is that coming from? And 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 when it's, and I know that you're trying, and I'm and I and I look at someone, I'm like, man, that's deeper. Like, it's coming from somewhere else. And and even in, in myself, I'm I'm starting to go back and realize that. And um and that's and that's just cool. It's like as cool as this like this is different pathways out there. You don't have to be stuck in the, in in that that cycle or in that self-sabotage. You don't have to be, you know, have this, just because you've always done it this way, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't get out of it. And, and so many people are stuck in things and, you know, it's just good to be able to have these 
conversations with yourself. Like, yeah. you just blow my mind. Blow my mind all the week. <laughs> yeah. Like, just being, like, uh, crazy, like, to come back and to have a, have a chat about this. And then I've been, like, um, I've been, like, doing, listen to, like, a Tao Yong uh, podcast, like, just going back. And then, and then I've been just looking at shadow work as well and subconscious stuff and, and, I was really excited, like, to, to get you back on, but just, like, the tools that you've already given me, like, so far, like, just, <laughs> just mind-blowing out of, out of that. Because it came to me, like, this all came because I had people just ask me questions that I just couldn't answer about cycles and self-sabotage, and I was caught in, in my own sort of cycles and self-sabotage myself, and I was like, okay, I thought I had this tools that was kind of working for me, but I just wanted to put it out there because I wanted to be able to, to say to someone, okay, well, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? But then I was like, okay, well, I can talk to someone and say, hey, listen to this podcast and you can maybe yeah. draw some information off that. And and it's been crazy because, I mean, like, in, in, so in your line of work that you're doing now because, you know, you're, you're a veterinarian and you're also like a life coach and you're doing, doing shadow work um, and hypnosis as well is, is, is part of, part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing people getting these like like breakthroughs and they've been caught in these places of like I don't call it bondage, I don't know if it's the right word for it, yeah. but it feels like what it is. When you're caught in something it's like a some sort of bondage. Are you seeing people like break through by using these tools? Oh, absolutely. So I yeah, I'm I trained as a vet, that's what well I sort of I was doing for yeah. however many years. So I have and then the last couple of years I've yeah, tr- trained as a, a life coach and I've also basically done this other certification in like it's hypnotherapy and it's like it's energy healing as well which for me yeah. if you told me that five years ago I'd been like what the hell are you talking about that's <laughs> very sus because I was very yeah. no I definitely was not someone who was even open to that sort of thing but yeah. since I've also I'm also a yoga teacher as well like that was sort of my sort of stepping stone into spirituality really like I'd always had this part of me that felt like there was more but since starting to sort of blend all of these things together a lot of the work that I do with clients is yes we have like mindset sessions like the more traditional sort of coaching but I also do like this hypnotherapy as well and the process that I take clients through is once you're sort of in that theta brainwave state which is one of the states that you can access in sleep but it's like that sort of almost like dreamlike state like you're still and again, hypnotherapy is something interesting because when you sort of hear about it, you kind of a lot of people think of like the stage, you know, hypnosis, like people making you do things yeah. that you're not meant to. When it's when it's really not like that, like what I like to think of this is like it's a bit like coaching, but your conscious mind's taken a back seat. It's just it's still there. You're still aware. And I also have a very like trauma informed approach to it. So everyone has full autonomy and control over what they're doing. Like you don't have to go into any memories you don't want to go. Yeah, but gotcha. so often your conscious mind is like protecting you from actually going into some of the memories that you like things like most of the time when we come out of a session, people are like, I hadn't even thought about that. Like I didn't even realize that was an event. So we'll often yeah. we'll do a lot of inner child work. So we'll often We'll start the sessions with people explaining what, um, you know, what they think is holding them back, like what they want to work on. And then once we get into the theta brainwave state, it's a case of, okay, so, you know, can you remember the first time that you felt like you weren't smart? For example, that was one we were working with this week, this person who's really 
just felt really like they were never saying the right thing and just really embarrassed about speaking up at work yeah. and stuff. And it was like, you know, she went straight back to this memory of like her old, like older cousins or something like making fun of her when she was five. And she was like, I didn't even know that I remembered that. Like, she's like, I don't even remember that. And going and basically what we do a lot with a lot of this work is we go back to these memories and we know that we're not changing these memories, but you're changing the beliefs associated with them. So we do work to let go of those beliefs and then call in some more empowering beliefs and really work on accessing that because this goes back to what we were saying at the very start as well. It's like when you're young, you believe things that people tell you. Yeah. When, like when you're older, someone, you know, you can have someone, you know, someone who loves you and they tell you every day that you're beautiful, you're smart, you're wonderful. If you don't believe that, you will just not even hear it. Like you won't even let that in. And so when, when you're in these, this state of brainwave state, it's like those defenses come down a little bit. So gotcha. we can actually call in things that are going to serve you. Like, you know, the feeling of, you know, I am feeling, I am safe. Like I am loved. Like my voice matters. Things like that, which again sounds a yeah. bit woo woo potentially sounds a bit fluffy, but yeah, it's unbelievable. Like it's, I've experienced firsthand myself and I was someone who was very skeptical, very skeptical yeah. about things. I don't necessarily like, you know, I'm clinically trained. Like I don't. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I, I yeah. question things and the I, yeah, exactly. And there is, I mean, there is, it's just something that we'll never be able to like fully, fully prove. But it's, it is incredible. Like when you actually, like how you would show up if you, tr- if you let go of those beliefs, like it comes down to that work of Byron Katie. It's like, who would you be without this thought when you're yeah. in that subconscious state? You actually allow yourself to move past what you what you know in your current reality like what you're currently creating and you can be like okay well who would I be if I truly believed that I was actually good enough and that I was important or smart or whatever it is or worthy of money or worthy of love or anything so yeah yeah, it's fascinating and it's like it's so is is it like it's it's like dropping like dropping that guard a little bit so you could like just let something else sort of in Mm-hmm. A little bit, like yeah. So taking back seat, so you're open to to hearing it because your defenses are down. Like that that inner child um, belief that you got because you couldn't critically think back then is it's like his garden. But if you're in that brainwave state, that kind of kind of drops away for you to be able to to get through that. Is that what it is? It's like dropping the guard a little bit. Yeah, it's like that. Your conscious mind. So that's your like critical thinking aspect yeah. where you. Like you're basically your sort of critical faculty is like this filter that's not letting things in. And yeah. And so you've got this, we're sort of letting that come down a little bit. So you're actually able to one, go into some of those memories. And also it takes, you know, sometimes it takes a few sessions as well because it's like, you've got to actually build up that capacity and that trust in yourself. And like I said, your mind is so clever as well. It will, protect you from a lot of the things you know if there's something too much it will protect you like it won't yeah. go there straight away like you'll go yeah. to other things because not all of this yeah. is from like childhood too like especially when someone's experienced trauma especially yeah. repeatedly like there's other yeah. ways that things that can get changed in those sorts yeah. of traumatic states so a lot of it's working with the body as well working with yeah. somatics actually building awareness of sensations building the self-trust 
actually yeah. getting that feedback from yourself because so many, so often we're just so in our heads, so disconnected from our own intuition, but also our own body, our own bodily senses, how we're actually yeah. feeling about something. So, so much of that work is there too. It's like, where do you feel this? Like, where is it? It's a whole other yeah. conversation, but yeah, there's, there's more to it too. <laughs> well, on mine, like, I just like, it's just taking me on a different path. And I've been reading this stuff on like Buddhism lately and stuff like that. I've just been like, just, just expanding my mind and just like in different areas and stuff like that. Combined with what you've told me and the stuff that I've been reading in the last couple of weeks, my mind is like, I'm a totally like, different person to what I was like two weeks ago and the way mm-hmm. I view the world, the way I see things. That's why conversations are so like powerful there. Eh? Like yeah. their ideas and, and uh, like you're doing like some, some crazy work if you're like lifting people out of those, you know, that some of the stuff of their childhood and, and some traumatic stuff obviously there. And then the, they're going on to form like better lives just from, from the tools that you're, you're, you're providing with them. That's awesome. I'm not like, I, I really, I, I like keeping you like a little bit late because I know you had a, like a big day. And no, no, I, no, I it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I've got some time. No worries. We've got time. Yeah, we're keeping sort of sort of too long, but like I really appreciate it. I like um so like just on um the the breaking the cycles, the self sabotage. You would really sort of say you have to go back. You have to take a look at yourself. You have to sort of map it out for the reasons why you do what you do. Yourself those questions. And it's like, that's a good, like, starting point. Maybe even mm-hmm. uh, show notes, asking a question, those four questions maybe could be a, a good place to, to kind of start. And it kind of, because it's not enough just knowing what you want to do and then trying to do it and then just failing mm-hmm. and then trying again. And you know what I mean? At some yeah. point, like, even, even the shifting that you're talking about, like, you know, changing your behaviors and, um, sorry, you got one pattern that might not be so healthy, so you change it for another pattern that's a bit more healthier, still the underlying cause, why why you're choosing to, to have patterns in these stressful situations um, hasn't been resolved. And then you might change it for a good behaviour, but, like, it depends where you are in life. Like, you go down life 20, 25 years, you may not be able to change that into a good pattern, and mm-hmm. you still haven't dealt with the stuff that you need to dealt with to change like, you know, you can't just keep chopping and changing things. You have to, like, you have to get down there. If you really want to, some people are okay. They just, and exactly. Yeah, some people are fine. And that's, people are, yeah. you know what I mean? But, and, and that's cool. But I'm just saying, like, if you do want to, if you want, you've got that growth and you don't want to be stuck in these cycles and you feel like you can't get out of them, I don't think it's just as simple as replacing one good thing for, one bad thing for a good thing. Um, because, you know, you're just going to replace that good thing for a bad thing, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And it's still going to like a lot of the time these things will they'll they'll come up in some way like you can bury them down, but they'll come up in some way. They'll show up and like a lot of people will find, you know, like they think that they're dealing with something and yet they get really reactive or something. They just explode out of nowhere because they're suppressing parts of themselves. They're not accept. That's what shadow work is. It's it's learning to accept the parts of you that you don't really like or think you don't like the parts of you that you're like, oh, I don't even want to admit this about myself. But the more you try and keep it down, it's, you know, it's honoring that there's dark and there's light. Like there's parts of you that's almost, almost parts of you that almost enjoy the struggle as well. Like there's 
Yeah, it's comfortable. Yeah, it's comfortable and it's, you know, maybe you, you know, you love your toxic workplace because you get to bitch about it with your colleagues. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word, but yeah, you bleep me out if you want, but you get to talk about it with your like colleagues and you get to gossip and you get to complain about how horrible your boss is and like that you say that you hate your job, but actually, you know, there's something there for you. So it's being honest. It's like, what part of me actually enjoys that drama and what can I, like, why do I enjoy that drama? Like getting deeper. And then once you find that, you can then decide how you're going to give yourself what you need or what your younger version of you needed, how you can give that to yourself. And we're not looking to become these perfectly healed robots who never react to anything and always do everything. You know, we're not looking for that. But we're just looking for more freedom, really. It's freedom from these patterns that are actually, exactly. yeah, trapping us. Freedom. It is it really, and that's what it is. It's and it's compassion for yourself. It's being like, okay, well, like I know I've done this, but I now have the freedom to choose again. And it doesn't mean yeah. that I was wrong, but it means that I can choose to do something differently now because that's so much of this is self forgiveness as well. It's forgiving yourself for the patterns that you had patterns that you learned to survive because that's really what it is like it's forgiving yourself for what you did in survival mode and moving from that and it's not linear it's not like one day I decide that I'm going to do this and every day I get better and I get better and I get better like it's up and down and some days you feel like it's never going to work and some days you feel like you're invincible and that's yeah and that's all fine all part of it and being okay with that it's been okay with that, but it's also like um, you get like you get you got this life, and uh, why not max like not that work, and then you get that freedom, and you can enjoy like life like so much more. You can just be more present. That that's my thing. Like if you've got all this stuff going on and stuff, I find myself not as present. Um, it's just that's just me personally. And why not like um, keep growing and keep keep learning and and and, and you know, discovering new stuff because you, cause you just get to new levels and just, just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is love that you, like you say, you've yeah, been on this kind of journey of just like having these conversations and filling yeah. yourself up with these different ideas because it's so empowering when you start noticing these things. And it's, I honestly feel like it's something that you can't unlearn once you pick it up. Like you say, when you're like looking at people and you're like, Oh, I wonder if you even know that you're doing that and then noticing yourself doing things. And it's, yeah. and it's that amazing separation that you can actually separate sort of you from your, what you're doing in a way. Like there's this like witnessing of yeah. these patterns without making it like mean something and being able to be like that little bit. And that's a, you know, definitely a yogi thing as well, but that yeah. just witnessing your thoughts rather than choosing to engage in absolutely all of them. And yeah. Find yeah. it fascinating. I could just yeah talk about this all day. So well, like, even with people, like so when I when I'm looking at people, uh, I wouldn't say it's probably more compassion, but I think it's probably more understanding as a person as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like you know there there are some of their like their their subconscious, their experiences, and and these things, and then I can just sort of take them you know as a you know it's not that it's not their fault or whatever it might be, but it just doesn't matter. Like it's just like things have happened to you they've created you to be a certain way you might not be able to have dealt with them but i see you as a different person now i see you like mm. 
I don't see you just in this moment now of how you're reacting when you're talking right now. I just see you as this, like, you know, from your childhood up, you know, you just, like, I don't know, it just, it, just delving into that for myself, it's helped me see other people in a different way. I don't know if it's more compassion, but I think it's more understanding. Yeah, and it sounds, I mean, it sounds like a lot like empathy and just this, this, yeah. like, the deeper you do the work in yourself is you realise that, Everyone else is just as complicated. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're very complicated beings. Like we're so yeah. complicated, and it doesn't mean that you're excusing people's behaviour. Like no. people have to take responsibility for their behaviour. Like it's, yeah. but it is like you say, it's just that added level of understanding. And it doesn't mean like you're condoning what they're doing, but it just you have a different perspective, and it's yeah, you can choose to how you react to that in a yeah, a more empowered way rather than just, well, responding to it, should I say, in a more empowered way rather than just reacting to it and just, like, being reactive back at each other. But I really, like, I'm so much more to talk to you about, like, there is, and, and uh, I'm going to um, yeah, revisit some of your podcasts and I'll put this in the notes as well, like, what you're talking about with, um, what's her name? Byron Katie. Byron. Yeah, Byron Katie. Yes. What's your podcast? What's you got a podcast? What's it? Yeah, my podcast. Finding Flow State. So that's my yeah. uh, that's my Instagram handle as well. So Finding yeah. Flow State, and yeah, my podcast is called Finding Flow State too. So, so we chat about all things, yeah, perfectionism, self sabotage, yeah. all the things. Because I mean, Flow State. I've been in Flow State before, but Flow has been like on. I actually wrote on my whiteboard at work the other day, just about like just flowing. Like, it wasn't just about being in that flow state where everything just, like, feels like it's flowing, but just, like, life in general, just about mm-hmm. letting life just flow, like, a little bit easier. That might just be the Buddhist stuff that I'm reading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one, I know, we, like I said, we are on time, and I thank you so much for that. Like, yeah, flow state for me, it was funny because I didn't start that, I didn't call it that initially for any kind of reason consciously like it was when I was doing a lot of running and I was doing yoga and I was like well that's what I'm kind of finding when I do these things but it's come to mean like so much more to me because flow state is you know we think about things like you say flowing everything's just going it's one thing next to it after the other and you're losing track of time and it almost has a sense of ease but it's not actually ease it's where you have the perfect balance between something that's challenging you just enough to keep you interested but you also are able you have the ability to sort of match it so you're in this like really present responsive like you're actually yeah so it's and that's why I love it so much because and then I think about that and I'm like that is what I'm trying to create this being present challenging yourself but also allowing and and really having this amazing sort of symphony I guess of just this responding to your environment and challenging yourself and that's what I, I love about it like flowing not forcing is definitely yeah that's really yeah. where it's come from wow that's so cool that's awesome <laughs> hey, i really i really appreciate your time especially because it's like a 12 hour day <laughs> you know at, at seven o'clock at night and i really appreciate because i really wanted to catch up with you so i was going to take any time i could um couldn't couldn't make it work other times but i really appreciate it and i look forward to like catching up again and yeah. hearing your stuff on your Instagram and that's cool yeah thank you so much for having me it was a great conversation it was really cool no worries